0: How's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. On this episode, I had a conversation with Luke Pell, and some of you may recognize his name uh, from reality TV fame. He was on the show The Bachelorette, um, the season with JoJo. I don't know uh, which season that would be, but I think it may be the last season or the season before. Um, Anyway, he and I sat down at his publishing company, he's a songwriter as well, and we had a lovely chat. We talked about all sorts of things. Um, it's funny, you see people on reality TV, and and I suppose the whole point of it is to feel like you're looking into their lives, you have a snapshot into who they are, what they think, and all that stuff. But as most of us know, <clears throat> those shows are pretty scripted out, in that people may be acting spontaneously, but... Once it gets in the hands of editors, anything is possible. And uh, I thought it was really important to dig down a little deeper below the surface of what he was famous for and just talk to him about who he is. And he's a lot of things. Um, He's a veteran. He served in Afghanistan. Um, He is a graduate of West Point. He uh, studied sociology and is very interested in that field. Um, he did all sorts of really interesting stuff, management-y type stuff, which I don't want to really spoiler alert away, but it's 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 really fascinating hearing him talk about it, what he did. Um, he's involved in charities that are really great, and I mean, all around he's a really interesting guy. Uh, so much more than I think any television show could uh, ascertain, you know, even in an eight-week period. Um, so yeah. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. I, I'm really excited about the episodes that are coming up. Uh, they're going to be really, really some cool people on the show. And um, I'm I'm heading out on tour myself on, on Thursday, um, which is the day this will come out, of course. And I'm not going to make my house sitter figure out how to launch all these episodes. So don't you worry. I'll have it all set up so that every Thursday morning, 7 a.m. Central, this ep- new episode will be there. Um, so she doesn't have to worry about it or anything. Um, my house sitter, I mean, um, yeah, so the usual stuff, um, iTunes, let's talk iTunes. If you get a chance or could you carve out some time and go to iTunes, write a review, uh, put some stars up there on the, you know, rate this situation. It's under Hey Human on iTunes. It's, it's really super helpful um, it helps push the numbers up, gets the word out. The more that people rate and review Hey Human, uh, the more Amazon is, or not Amazon, where did that come from? <laughs> Erg, uh, the more iTunes is willing to, uh, you know, talk, get, put it on the Hey, you should check this out list or whatever they do. Um, probably be good not to call iTunes Amazon. That might be the first step in having them. Like Hey Human and push it forward. Um, I'm also on Podbean, Stitcher, Blueberry. I feel like there's one I'm forgetting, but uh, and it's on HeyHumanPodcast.com, of course. And as always, there are links to every episode. You know, whatever we talk about, I try and pick out some some really interesting factoids or things and and link to that. Um, And Luke's episode is no different. Uh, especially when it came to his charities and stuff, I made sure to get that on there. And uh, uh, oh yeah, social media: Facebook, HeyHumanPodcast dot or sorry, Facebook, HeyHumanPodcast, Instagram, HeyHumanPodcast, Twitter, which I'm terrible at, also HeyHumanPodcast. Um, and you can always email me too, Susan at HeyHumanPodcast dot com. I would love to hear from you. Um, please send me emails. And I think. I think that's all the housekeeping um again some cool stuff coming up i've had some really fun episodes previous so if you're into going deep go for it go back some episodes and check out some of the older things um really been a a wide variety of humans on the show and and i'm digging it thanks again for listening i appreciate it here we go hi luke
1: Hey, how, how are you? <laughs> it's good to be here. Thanks right, for having me on.
0: You betcha. Of course, thanks for being here. Um, Luke Pell, you are a um, West Point graduate, is yeah, that correct? 2007. 2007. Uh-huh. Um, you served in the Army mm-hmm. as a captain.
1: Yeah, I got out as a captain. That was my final rank before I got um, off of active duty and came back into the civilian world. So. Okay,
0: thank you for your service. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was a great time of my life. Yeah, wow, well, really? Well, we'll talk about that. Yeah. And um, you were on a show called The Bachelorette. Yes. Okay. And you, you just told me off the off the microphone that you graduated from college in sociology and. Mm-hmm.
1: My undergrad was in sociology uh, with a systems engineering minor.
0: So. What is systems engineering?
1: Um, it's like optimizing any type of uh, system. So, like a very cliche one would be like an airport. Oh. Uh, how to make it um, optimally work on in terms of revenue, in terms of um, throughput and, and flow and all that type of thing as well. So. What made you pick that? Um, I, I really wanted to pick it because it was preparing me, um, to be a leader in the United States military. I knew that going into that, I would be in charge of soldiers that all had different backgrounds, mm-hmm. uh, that many of them would have different backgrounds than I would have. And I wanted to be able to relate to them and understand like why they, you know, um, were going through whatever problems um, that they were going through and how to better lead them, I felt, if I understood them as people. Mm-hmm. So that was, like, my main idea. Did
0: that. you know you were going to be in the military then when you were young? Uh, that sort of the point? No, I
1: didn't. What What happened was is um, I was recruited to play football at West Point, um, and West Point was not on my radar for college at all. You know, I had grown up just a kid in Texas thinking that, you know, my other offers to play football were going to be, like, uh texas christian university or university of houston or some you know local within Mm -hmm. a, a few hundred miles of where i was from and and uh that was kind of what i was expecting to do um then the west point uh recruiting guys came recruiting coaches came by um and my high school football coach realized that i had a west point resume as a high school kid i didn't really even know it what and does that so, mean?
0: You mean your grades were good? And
1: your- uh, it just means that, you know, I made good grades. I was, like, captain of all my sports teams. Um, I did, like, Texas Boys State, which is a, um, it's a VA-funded, uh, like, a politics camp that they really? choose to, you know, oh, every cool. every year they do it with kids that are, um, you know, as seniors in their high school, or about, I guess, about to be seniors in their high school, and they kind of get them used to um, Texas or uh, state politics, and then... Um yeah I was in like these leadership clubs like 4H organizations and things like that and so I had all these things that I didn't really realize all the community service and stuff that I had done just growing up as a kid um was what you know they're looking for a for a, for a West Point did you have a pet resume cow in a so 4-H? pet cow i never i never showed cows in 4h okay. uh, I was actually into the horses oh, all right. it was like my 4h uh they're easier know, to ride animal thing yeah that was that was more fun to me than than the cows and the and the pigs and whatnot so anyway yeah so then I ended up uh, going to West Point on that football scholarship and then so when I got there then that's when I realized obviously that when I graduated, I would have a, a commitment to the Army after I graduated. So that's when I started trying to, you know, prepare and um, find some direction of, you know, what was the next 10 years of my life going to look like, you know, based off of that decision. So How
0: does one wrap their head around the idea of, you know, not ever having that be on your radar and then suddenly... All the things that that means. To yeah, be in the I mean that's I mean, that's a huge undertaking. That's taking on a completely different world. Yeah, totally different life. Yeah, it
1: changed the trajectory of my life yeah. quite a bit, at least for that decade of my life. And um, you know, I think that uh, there was so much I didn't know, um, but I just it was you know the learning curve was super steep. But I just you know took it one day at a time and started trying to you know just understand. And I, I grew up with these values of you know whatever you're going to be, be a good one, you know? And so mm-hmm. I just took that mentality into it and, uh, just, you know, just wanted to achieve success and whatever I was doing. And so I just started doing that as a cadet at West Point and tried to do it as a student, which was, uh, which was a tall order for me, uh, coming from a, you know, a small school in Texas and, and then, and then going to this, you know, Ivy league level, uh, you know, educational demand and 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 so yeah, I don't a- think academic realize load.
0: That, that that West Point academically, it's not. Yeah. It's not your average Joe.
1: Yeah, they they really put a lot of kid, uh, you know, a lot of restraints and not restraints. They put a lot of expectations on kids uh, for their academic load. So they're taking like twenty one credit hours. They're looking know, for leaders. And then through their freshman and sophomore years, they've all got these very um, stringent, um, academic plans for what classes they, you know, prerequisite classes they have to take and mandatory classes and all those things, which in, you know, even it doesn't matter if you're going to be an English major or history major or something at West Point, you still have to go through all the math and science and engineering classes as well, um, before you get to the, you know, the, uh, the more art based, um, major. So anyway, uh, that was just, yeah, that was those four years of my life were probably the most formative years of my life of, you know, you know, taking me to what I am now and, and where I'll even will be in the future. It just, it did, it did a lot and it was tough. And, um, every day was a new challenge, a new adventure, but it was, uh, when I finished it, it was just super rewarding. You know, I was like, wow, I made it. You yeah. know, that was all that mattered at that point is I made it. So
0: is, does everyone who attends West Point, um, do they, is there an expectation that they, they are aren't. then in, in the military? Uh, I mean, you have to, right? That's Yeah, so
1: everyone that graduates from West Point, then uh, what it is is um, you can go your first two years, and then you can transfer if you don't like it or decide that um, for some reason that you need to transfer. You can go to another university, no questions asked. Mm. Um, When you come back uh, the beginning uh, semester of your junior year, then there's another swearing-in ceremony, and that's when you get locked into the financial obligation. You can't leave at that point. you, You owe the military uh, or the u.s government you know all that the tuition and fees mm-hmm. um and then even still there's a lot of waiver and stuff you have to get so once you go through that ceremony you're locked in um to be to say basically i will be um commissioned as a, an officer in the U- u.s army after yeah. i graduate and do that for five years so
0: i've always been curious when when you go into the military i know that gi stands for general issue mm-hmm. right? that means that i mean you are at you serve for the pleasure of, of your country, yeah. right? So that means whatever is required of you. Mm-hmm. Was that a hard... I mean, you're a kid. You know, yeah. You're going through... You know, you, you, like most 18, 19, 20-year-olds, you you're developing your sense of self and right. your ethics and your morality, which, given your upbringing, I suppose, right. was already instilled in you to some degree. But yeah. you're still figuring out who you are. To be somebody in the military means... It's almost like a person who's going to go purchase a gun, for yeah, example. You, sure. you, if you're thinking clearly, you know that if you purchase that weapon, right. that means you have to be willing to take someone's life. There's no, there's no middle right. ground. I exactly. mean, you have to be willing to go there in your mind and in your conscience. Right. Uh, so I'm curious, like at that age, how does one come to that understanding with oneself?
1: Yeah, it, you know, that's a great question. I think that all those kids that come there... Um, the vetting process uh, for them to even get there is very strict, mm-hmm. and and it's amazing that you know systemically that whole program of how detailed they are and how you know well they um, select the kids that go there. And then once they get there, then there's a high you know attrition rate is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, you know w- we started out with like 1,350 kids I think in my freshman class, and then you know you end up graduating with. I mean, I think after after the first year, we were down to like eleven hundred
0: mm-hmm. something.
1: You know, we lose a couple hundred, and then I think we ended up graduating with like right out of thousand, maybe okay. nine hundred and something. So attrition sure. rates are pretty high um, because that's then you've got this long four year. That's what those four years are for: is for these kids to figure out for themselves. Hey, is this something? Once they learn and it's exposed to them, what reality of what their job and their career will be in the military? You know, can they handle the challenges? of being a leader in the military and all those things, is it good for them? Is it healthy for them? Can they handle it emotionally? Do they want to? Is it a goal of theirs at that point? And so, and then also, then you go through the the tests that are built in uh, systemically to the program, and the program will continue to filter out kids over those next four years that they're there, just saying, hey, they're not, you know, they're not competent in the skills that they need to have to go out and lead soldiers, you know, in in combat, you know. So um, I think that's why it's such a, it's really, there's been years that, um, over the last two centuries, really, that um, West Point has been an existence that they've almost done away with it. And been like, hey, we don't need a military academy. Really? And uh, thought that, you know, it wasn't right. We can just do it through other commissioning sources uh, to find officers, and it's not great. But I will say, after going through it, that that, that program, it's, it's really amazing, and it really does require a lot of, and it does define... You know, and and, and develops these kids and these kids into the cream of the crop of being a leader at a young age, understanding what it requires to do that successfully. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I think it's a I think it's a great program, and I was fortunate and blessed to be able to, you know, just fall into that opportunity and have that and uh, go through it. And you know, I had no clue what I was getting into. You know, and then over time, you don't even even when you're done with it, I did I didn't have a clue what I just did. And then as as the years go by. You know, now it's been um, 10 years since I've graduated from West Point. And so I look back and now I'm starting to see things that I was like, wow, okay. I understand more and more now, this much time removed, what I was learning and some of the, you know, the biggest lessons that I was, you know, developing um, while I was there. So it's really interesting.
0: What What do you think was the biggest for you?
1: I think, you know, the biggest are the ones that aren't on paper. They're, they're the lessons that you learn to just... Uh, Learn to, you know, prioritize whatever you're doing and, and make the best out of it and, and not take no for an answer um, is one of them, you know. And and failure is not an option. You know, those are the type of lessons that you really take away from there that are the biggest ones. And, and um, they're not a badge, you know, they're not an award, you know, they're not on your transcript. But the biggest ones are just learning how to make you know, decisions under pressure and how it's, a, you know, leads eventually, you know, you're leading soldiers in combat. And that's what it all points back to is having somebody who can take care of soldiers. Cause some of these guys, they end up, you know, they're, they may be a platoon leader. Like I was in Afghanistan and they're leading 30 or 40 soldiers. But some of these guys that stand for a career, you know, uh, 20 years, 25 years later, they become a general right and they're, they're responsible for, you know, the success or failure of, you know, our our military as a country, you know what I mean? So right. there's a, there's a lot of implications that come with that responsibility. Sorry,
0: I'm going to so. move this really quick. Okay.
1: Oh, I can edit that
0: a moment. Sorry, I hate to distract. But Oh, you're every,
1: good. No worries. Every time
0: we touch that thing, I'm worried it's going to go bonk bonk
1: Oh, are we t- oh, Okay.
0: No, it's all, it's all good. Well, okay, so that to me is super fascinating too. So you you when you graduate, are you already a captain, or is that do you have to serve some time yeah. actively? Yeah,
1: so when you commission, you graduate and commission as an officer uh, after West Point or any academy, you're a second lieutenant, mm-hmm. or the equivalent thereof if you're in the Navy. But um, Yeah, so then you're a second lieutenant. You're in, in, right now, it's kind of time-based. The way they have it set up is not... It's, it's interesting. I don't want to get too far into it, but how the ranks are in the military. Um, it becomes merit-based over the course of after you become really your third rank as a captain and go into being what they call a major in the military. then it's like, there's a a zone. There's people that start separating from their peers and they like, they excel Mm -hmm. and get promoted sooner. But Mm -hmm. everybody comes out as a second Lieutenant. They're about 18 months or so. Then they become a first Lieutenant. And then, um, and then 36 months in or plus or minus, they become a captain Mm -hmm. right now in the military. So then they're captain for a few years. And then they go to the next one. So it must be interesting. so interesting yeah. to
0: be, uh, even at the school, because um, have you ever read the book Ender's Game, by a chance? I have not read that, no. Okay, but so um, it's set way in the future. It's science fiction. Uh, yeah. It's it's an incredibly good book, the movie. Not so great. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's this military academy in space. Right. Um, and one of the things that the teachers are looking for yeah. is psychologically, I. it's interesting because in order to be a good soldier, yeah. there are a lot of things one must you know absolutely you, you have to be able to follow command but you also have to have a sense of leadership so that right, right there that's a conundrum right, right? You, you have to find, you have to find a your spot and immediately a follower right both mm-hmm. in order to fit in but um and you also i imagine have to have a, a a level of bravado and right willingness to jump into the fire exactly but then not so much ego where you're a horrible leader right and you just are a narcissistic you know egomaniac because right. that's dangerous so are there people that sort of are around constantly watching everyone's behaviors yeah and, and thinking all right well this one's a little too <laughs> nuts and this one is a little too not um, strong enough, you know
1: yeah you know everybody while they're at the academy they go through blanket training mm-hmm. where everybody kind of gets the same training and curriculum Not the same
0: blanket. That's different. Right. Not the different
1: blankets, same training. Yeah. Um, And then as they go through higher levels of training after the academy, um, people start picking different career paths. Because people just, a lot of times, if they're not in the military, they assume that the military is very similar and the career is very similar. But these guys, you go have completely different experience on one in the spectrum than then the next guy and they're both, in the, they're both in the army maybe both the same rank but they're in different units and have different purposes and what their unit does and things like that so um, after you get out then people end up want to make a career out of it they'll say to, decide to go to like special forces training hmm. or what they call the Q course it's where they select guys that can Um, you know operate as a special forces operator and so as those training different selection schools happen that's when there's somebody that looks at them specifically under fire and says can this person Mm -hmm. um, be in this situation in real life in combat and can they handle it or not and so they have a specific you know monitor uh, observation of how this person reacts so
0: do they talk to you um I know I'm asking a lot about military, no, uh, but yeah. it's fascinating to me. Um, do they talk to y'all about, um, look, you're going to maybe, you might be in a situation where, you know, your friends are going to die or sure. you may have to kill someone or uh-huh. like, Do they have those conversations or is that just something that's sort of known and then yeah. you just sort of move forward? Um,
1: you know, they immediately go into those conversations oh, um, yeah. in basic training. Okay, um, They start teaching people. Um, the order in which uh, you know they'll say, "Okay, your uh, platoon leaders died, has died. Your leaders died. Who's next?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: who steps up?" And so they they start putting them in training situations in every training environment. Really, there are always people have to know who's the next person in line because if you lose your main, your on the ground leader, who's the next one? Who's the th- who's the, the second, the third, the fourth, And that order, all the way down to the lowest ranking person, and when can they take over and be in control? Because that's the you know, that's the, the brave reality of the grave reality of war is that, you know, people die and leaders leadership um gets changed out and, and somebody's gotta pick up the torch and keep keep going.
0: I think know? brave reality so, is also correct. Yeah, <laughs> brave
1: reality and the grave reality. Yeah, exactly.
0: So um, how old were you when you uh, became captain? And did you become uh, captain already when you were in Afghanistan and they gave you captain status or before you even went? Yeah,
1: so I was in Afghanistan as a lieutenant. Okay. So I was a platoon leader there. That was when I my first assignment um, after um, graduating. I went to my officer training course in Oklahoma. I went back to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, uh, and then um, immediately deployed with my unit to Afghanistan. And so I was a lieutenant there, and I came back. I was here for about a year at Fort Campbell Kentucky and then when I went to Fort Bliss Texas my final two years in the military is when I became a captain Mm. and then was a a plans and uh training officer out there
0: how old were you when you went to Afghanistan
1: I was 20 let's see I guess I had just turned 23 yeah I would have graduated when I was 22 yeah two yeah
0: were you scared
1: um, I, I, think that for me, I'm sure there's, there's this element of fear and trying to, you know, adrenaline kind of reacts to that in response to that fear. Um, it's kind of this, you know, murky thing between the two, which is which, and how do you, how are you going to be when, you know, combat happens? Um, I think that that was one thing that you do learn over those four years of going through all those training exercises, is they build in habits and they build in, um, you know, countermeasures for to deal with emotion and fear and so they try to take the emotion out of your decision making because Mm -hmm. you know emotion is not really your friend in combat you need to react as as a tool and uh you know and and be always on and emotion just kind of clouds those decisions sometimes so um so yeah so you learn to and that's that was one of the things that was tough for me coming back uh and it is for a lot of guys um is, is how to turn, you know, social emotion back on when you come back from a year of just being in this alpha male society where every day is business and, and death is just part of, you know, life and death situations are just part of what you go through every day. And so your emotion uh, level is very low in, Mm -hmm. in, in combat. And so, um, anyway, so when you come back, you're trying to like, you know, you're trying to reconnect with people and, and have, these relationships in your normal social circle uh, and in your family that, um, you, you know, you're now kind of colder to those relationships and you kind of have to rebuild that when you get back.
0: So how did you do that?
1: Um, I think for me, it was just time. I didn't really, didn't really understand the, how much difference, how much I had changed in that time. You know, it was kind of like this underlying thing that o- over the course of the next couple of years, I kind of, you know, when people would ask me like, oh, did you have PTSD or, you know, how do those things happen? And and although I didn't have, you know, you know PTSD in the terms of, you know, clinical PTSD or anything like that or any treatment, it was like an outward issue in any way. But I looked back at it and started reflecting on it, opening up over the course of those next couple of years. I was like, wow, it's, I understand why now that it's a little bit more difficult to relate to, um, you know, kids or be just vulnerable and open to, uh, my family, or my mom, or my sister, or whatever, when I had, you know, learned uh, to be, you know, just a little bit more cold and less emotional, was the successful way to be in, in Afghanistan. But then you come back, you've got to, like, shed that, so.
0: Is that still, <clears throat> excuse me, something you're working on, or do you feel like you've gotten you know, back to normal? I think, whatever, yeah, is? yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, this many years later, I feel like there's still elements of it, uh, very small, though, you know. Um, I guess when I'm in in terms of stress I I kind of start my reaction is to start kind of shedding emotion and just going into like a decision-making mode a little bit but overall I feel like I've really come you know leaps and bounds from where I was when I returned and and I understand it that was that's always the first part of overcoming a problem or an issue that you have is understanding what it is identifying it and then you can kind of figure out how to respond to and how to change it over time so yeah yeah, and and that's part of you know the creative side of me actually the segue of me moving back to nashville um and being a songwriter uh was that was part of that for me one of the biggest benefits i get from being a songwriter is being able to put emotion into words Mm -hmm. and into melodies and lyrics and to really be vulnerable with things that happen in my life and put it into a song and open that up whereas because that's a long way to come to be in that 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 non-emotional military world and then be able to go to the other end of the spectrum which is to be a songwriter and be completely okay with emotion and and how to um you know express that verbally and Mm -hmm. and those type of things so um
0: was that a hard journey or were you always creative before when you were young and
1: you know i'm i don't know if you've i'm sure you probably have is read on being left-handed and right-brained mm. are typically are kind of inherently creative uh, creative people. And you're I think, in your right mind. Yeah, exactly. I'm in my right mind. I would like to think that. It's probably get some hesitant uh, some resistance from the, all the right-handed people, but um, <laughs> no, but I think that I do believe in that creative kind of um, instinct in me. I, I just always had that, you know, in music. Even though I, I took a break from music, I was, uh, I took piano lessons for several years when I was very young. Um, and and it connected with me you know very easily and it was great and um then sports and different things I got away from it like a lot of kids do in high school and then picked it back up picked up a guitar and learned how to play guitar when I got to uh West Point Mm. and so but anyway it was always and that was part of my thing It was kind of therapy for me even going through all that military time I was still tied to my music and I had you know the guitar was like my kind of escape back to you know just my center point you know of finding a a, a spot where I could, you know, just find a release and and be, you know, nostalgic and think about, you know, being home and the simple things in life that, you know, centered me emotionally. So I always try to stay connected to that part of myself throughout my military time as much as possible. And that's what music and my guitar being with me was, you know.
0: You know, I... I imagine it must be such a, a strange thing, you know, you walk into a room and, well, I mean, so really you have all these different hats, you yeah. know, you have the, the guy that was in the military, or, well, I guess you're always right. in the military, yeah. but um, then the songwriter guy, and then the guy that's on TV, and so does that, how do you get to be Luke, the creative guy, when you walk yeah. into a room, when when all this other stuff sort of Permeates I your being, yeah. whether or not you're giving that off. I'm right. sure that people have an expectation, whatever it is, mm-hmm. negative or positive. How sure. do you deal with that?
1: Yeah, I think there are a lot of, you know, you know, like I said earlier, being a sociology major uh, in college helped me to understand not only the people around me and my soldiers and, and why people become who they are and is it nature versus nurture and all those things, um, but also helped me. St- or started helping me understand myself Mm -hmm. and so I think over the years and going through the military time and just a lot of self um you know reflection you know I started understanding and becoming comfortable in my own skin and just Mm -hmm. kind of being an open book and saying look we you know the human instinct is is to you so a lot of people they get into these double lives type of things where They've got their their social their their outward life, and then they've got some a lot of things that they hide, and some people have more things that they hide than others. And so I tried to get to a point in my life, and just, it's a and I will always just try to always be at this point because I think it's a lifelong pursuit is to just be an open book and be who you are. Because in today's world, I think twenty first century, with you know social media and all these things, it's people. Well, you know, quote unquote, keep up appearances, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that's so much what people's lives are just, just based around and oriented around is keeping up appearances. And, and, uh, and so, you know, for me to be able to h- handle all those hats that I wear, is that I just try to be the most authentic version of myself, whatever that is, and just be that in one on one relationships with people. And then also be that with my relationship with an audience or whoever is mm-hmm. seeing me from the outside looking in is like they have a pretty good idea um, quickly who I am when mm-hmm. when I walk into the room or when I meet them. So, um, but that that takes a lot, you know. And and I actually I, another thing that I'll bring up is I worked for a company uh, that was another great part of my development. Um, after I got out of the military, before I came back to Nashville, it was a great company, great people, great mission. It's called the Flipping Group it was a it was a uh, consulting firm and so what they did was um they did executive coaching and mm-hmm. leadership training for uh fortune 500 CEOs and their their leadership teams all across the country and so I got to be in the business development sales side of what they did and um and and they would profile people similar to what you see as like uh, Myers Briggs profiles mm-hmm. or you know the MBTI or or the DISC profiles something similar to that where those profiles look at um, personalities and like, do you have personality conflicts or not? Um, what the flipping groups profile did was it looked at people's behaviors because behaviors are very different than personalities. Personalities are kind of inherent in what, you know, who you are and how, how your, what your nature was and how you were raised and how you were born. Whereas behaviors are actions that can be changed and how you perceive. Like, so, you know, you're out, your inner circle, but people looking at you from the outside, looking in, they, they see your behaviors, and that's how they form an opinion of who you are as a person mm-hmm. or, uh, and who you are in that relationship. And so uh, the flipping Group would help leaders become self-aware was the big thing that people were always trying to, we were always trying to help people understand. As a leader, is the first thing you need is to be self-aware. How, how do other people see you? So once you understand how you're, you know, the six people that work with you the most frequently, how, and the most closely, how do they see you? And so do they see you as a high nurturer or a low nurturer? Do they see you as somebody who is high self-control and is, you know, hesitant to speak up in a meeting or in a group? Or do they see you as somebody who has low self-control and will reflexively just say whatever comes to their mind? Mm-hmm. Are you um, a highly motivated person who is just um, very proactive and just goal-oriented in life on a scale of 1 to 10? Or are you somebody that's just kind of like lackadaisical about life and life just happens to you? So we go through all these things... And we help leaders understand that about themselves and how their people see them, and then they can adjust. We help them take steps uh, to adjust how they react and how they behave and how they lead their other people. So that was that was really fascinating for me to go through that process, be in that company, and then understand myself even more. Um,
0: Does that teach people to be? Do you think maybe this is just per per? You know, everybody's individually yeah. their own thing, but. I would think that in a way, that's good training to teach you either to be your authentic self or to manipulate those around you, and you know what I mean. Yeah. That there's a there's a deeper level of that. that right. teaching you, hey, people are perceiving you this way. Right.
1: Yeah. You could you could choose you could choose to try to um, deceive people, but I think that the cool thing is that. Uh, especially if you stay within the confines of their system that that gets mm. found out yeah because what you'll do is they'll pull feedback from say a couple of family members they'll pull feedback from a couple of peers pull, pull feedback from your boss above you pull feedback from people that work for you so then <clears throat> if somebody's operating and behaving differently in different circles then that shows up on the uh, on the thing as well so if i'm and, and but you That's know naturally it, it kind of does anyway like you tr- at home. You're a little bit different usually than you are at work, and for good reason. Um, but all that shows up in those results, and then people can understand it because there's amazing how many people don't understand like their self awareness. They may be they'll be the vice president of you know XYZ Corporation that's like a household name, and they don't ha- they don't realize like how cold they are to their employees or how cold they are to their own wife or their family back home. And so we can go in there and profile that for them. And show them the results and they have these light bulb moments again and again and they're like, I-, I didn't realize that they saw me as so cold and just uncaring about what, you know, they were going through or whatever.
0: Again, though, there's so, that that leader quality, that one, you know, yeah. if you were to give the Myers-Briggs, let's say, to half the CEO, right. CEOs in America. Right. Let me guess that some of them are going to show up as sociopaths. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's yeah, like, they There's sh- an absence of empathy that, that one might require right. in order to move up the ranks quickly or to be the very... Like a Steve Jobs, for example. Yeah, to be aggressive. Not the nicest guy to his family. Right. But a genius and right. clearly had his shit together. For, right. You know. So
1: it's, it's amazing and that's a whole other... There's so many conversations that go yeah. beyond that in that world. Um, but to see the results of people understanding themselves and how they behave as a leader, how you know good, bad, or indifferent yeah, sure. for them to have that self awareness. So for me personally, it was it was great because I could understand uh, how people perceived me, and then understand once you understand that, then you kind of understand. You go through these self or self reflective times where you are like, who do I want to be? Like, who do I? What's the core of me? Why do? What's my purpose? Why do I get up every day? Why you know? Why do I want to have a headstone that has something meaningful on it, and the people, you know, and leave a legacy behind when I'm not here anymore? Um, and so I think that that was just how I started becoming just motivated about life. Is just like, like what's what's my purpose today? Why am I why am I getting up? Why am I making any decision uh, today? What impact is it leaving on the world and the people around me? And mm-hmm. so that I started living that way, and just it, it opened up a lot of. It just opened my opened me up a lot I opened up a lot of relationships a lot of opportunities and, and things started happening and so um also I mean I feel like I have I don't know I had a little bit of career I don't know ADD in, in a sense where I was kind of like Oh, will try this try that you know jack of all trades kind of thing um but I think that I finally got to the point where I understood the core of who I was and at least the space that I wanted to be in you mm-hmm. know and uh and so it didn't as matter as much, what what I did for a living in those short term moments. Mm-hmm. It just mattered about more about who I was, you know, not what I, not what I was doing, but who I was. And mm-hmm. so that that's that's you know how I I go about every day. And so anyway, that makes it easier for when I when I can wear those hats. Like we got back to at the beginning of this question was how how do I. You know, wear different hats and, and and go into a room and and handle that and and know that people are all seeing me from different angles and and uh, seeing me as you know have different perceptions of me. So
0: and when you perform, there's a vulnerability that you sure you know in order to have that communion with your audience. Yeah, you absolutely. Have, you have to be laid open. Absolutely, the truth with a capital T. You know, right. and, uh, I mean, that must have been an interesting thing to go from. What you, where you had been and then redefine that part of yourself.
1: Yeah, it was. And I, I love transition in life because, you know, people get in comfort zones and they get complacent. Mm. And, and and I hate to see that in people. Uh, they'll live their whole life just like scared to get outside of their comfort bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is, maybe a career bubble. It may be, just a, a relationship bubble, you know, they're in a, they're in a toxic relationship or a toxic environment and they just can't, there's just something, they need a spark to get, to break those chains and get out of it. And, uh, and so I always like and, and welcome transition in life. Like just, just that movement of being able to, to go from one, um, one career or one, you know maybe it's geographic maybe you just pick up and move and and transplant your life somewhere else but that transition and be able to handle that and go through the challenges that come with that life transition really i think help people understand who they are it does for me and so for me to go from being a military guy to try a couple corporate you know management jobs you know being being an old gas company for a while then go be uh you know, business development sales guy for a leadership development firm and then be like, you know what? I still, I want to be in Nashville. I want to be a creator. I want to be a songwriter. I want to connect with people. I want to be emotional. I want to be uh, completely open and vulnerable to who I am and the people around me. And so I I pick up and I come to Nashville and say, I don't, you know, I haven't been in Nashville for 10 years. Like some of my peers, you know, being in the career and playing the politics of Nashville and and doing all those things. But you know what? I'm going to start today. And I'm gonna to learn to figure it out one day at a time how how to do that, right. um, how to become that person. So um, that's you know that's kind of the stage I'm in right now. And so then a TV show comes up and I say why not? I'll, You're talking I'll, about the
0: bachelorette. yeah? I'll
1: try a reality TV show and see how that affects my life and the people around me. And it's it's something different, something unique. And sure, that's exactly the type of thing that I would like to do in the space of my life where I'm about to transition. Is that that will definitely stir the pot you know of of my life so
0: yeah so it's a good segue into the bachelorette so for a guy that's living his authentic self that is self-aware that is growing yeah i mean let's just take the bachelorette out of it for a second Mm -hmm. reality tv out of it for a second and just being in the the world at large i think most people are not real great at self-awareness you know and so navigating dating Mm -hmm. when you're when you have an understanding of growth and Mm self-awareness in a in a world of, of you know, like the Tinders and the <laughs> the, uh, yeah. the Bumble Bumble ones yeah, or Mumble, whatever, Tender, all, Riot, Riot, like, yeah, Bumble Tinder, right, yeah, all these things that um, which are inauthentic, <laughs> right, really. And to, the bottom line is, those are inauthentic, yeah. and I know it works for some people and right. all that stuff, but but how, so you're just right there trying to navigate the dating world. It's got to be a little more yeah. difficult because yeah. I always say that in dating, people send their representatives and then. Once the people get comfortable, the representatives go home, and you're left with the real person. Exactly. You're like, Where did you come yeah, from? Exactly. Are you? So yeah, exactly. So how how is it that you thought? And, and again, you sound like an adventurer, so you right. just kind of jumped into it. Exactly. But uh, suddenly, you're in this world of reality television, which isn't that ironic, of right. course, because we all—I mean, we all know at this point there's right. been article upon article about the scripting of reality yeah. television. Sure. So, what was your thought going into that when? You, yeah. You're, and then, how do you deal with and I'm going to confess I, I yeah. don't watch those shows i right. just, but I, I'm always curious one of my best friends in the whole world um when i she, she you know lives with her right. with her family and i when I go over to her house, they always have like, the reality shows on and right. I watch them and they're <laughs> fascinating yeah they really, they really are. are they're fascinating Absolutely. all of them whether it's the dress one or the date right. one or you know it doesn't right. matter I, even if it's Flippy house one. Right. Watching people in that way. Yeah.
1: Real people how, in an unrealistic with a ca- environment. With yeah. camera on them. Mm-hmm. How
0: in the world can anyone... I suppose eventually you don't realize. It's kind of like being naked with someone. Eventually right. you, you don't see that they're naked. Right. right? Exactly. Just, they're it's just, just the person again. Yeah. Um, so how do you do that? How does somebody living their authentic life go yeah. into a situation where everything is hyper surreal?
1: Right. Well, I think that, you know, that was part of... And, and, the feedback after kind of proved that too was that you know I went into it I was in that phase of my life where I was transitioning I was saying why not to a lot of things the opportunity came up out of the blue and I said okay why not mm-hmm. so then I go into it and I you know being a sociology major from college and being having led led you know dozens and dozens of different types of soldiers and different backgrounds and feeling like I was self-aware and understood who I was as a person and understood people very quickly around me I was like this is a social experiment. I understand it's a social experiment. Now there are things that I behind the curtain that I still don't know because I hadn't gone through it yet. So I was like, I don't know. You know, people always there's rumors, you know, the public loves the rumors about like is how real can it be? Is it possible? Um, all these things that are in pop culture about those shows. And I said, I wanna go in there and find out for myself. Like what take it one day at a time and see what happens, what happens mentally, emotionally. Uh, logistically, how does all that happen? And I want to just be in the middle of it and maybe it happens for me and maybe I get wrapped up in it and it can happen because at the end of the day, those shows do at least for appearances sake. And sometimes even, uh, you know, in reality, they, they produce relationships and, and every once in a while, mm-hmm. healthy, a healthy relationship. Sure. So I was like, there is all, there's so much going on here and so much to go find out and just explore. Right. So I went into it with just an open mind and say, what? what what can I learn here and about are you myself?
0: sequestered with these people
1: yeah you have no no, no internet no phone contact to the wow. outside world there's only emergency contacts and how you long know? and so it's an eight week filming process okay.
0: so that's a long time really to be oh
1: absolutely mom. it's weird you yeah, you have your phone up which most you know 99% of people today in, in the states anyway like your phone is something that you're on you mm. communicate through your phone on a daily basis more than any other communication form probably you know you sleep next to it you wake up next to it you go check your email when you wake up. You check your email before you go to bed. Sure. You text and social media, and all that stuff. So you put that aside. So that was interesting. Um, and then you have just no contact. There's not even a TV, which has been a 20th century entertainment. The main primary entertainment, you know, outlet is a TV. So you can't just sit down and veg and watch TV. You have to interact with these people, and you've got the cameras around. And then also, it's not only it's just reacting with random people like Big Brother, but it's like it's all all men all like trying to have a dating relationship with one woman yeah. <laughs> so I was like this is a crazy social experiment let's go just jump into it so, yeah. um, so anyway uh, I think that we got, I got a lot of feedback after the show that th- you know the fans of the show they could see which is even interesting they can see nonverbal communication and you know along with the verbal communication they they saw me as authentic and genuine on the show because the conversations I was able to have the the communication I was able to have with with um, the girl on the show is that it was it was real and authentic and people could see that and it translated to the T V screen. Was she good at um,
0: being authentic? Whatever that means Well, you know, I
1: don't not you never, you know, we, we have the on you relationship we then, the on screen relationship and then like you said, people you know in dating people they come they bring their best stick They're their best for foot season. forward, yeah. you know, and <laughs> then and then after six months later after you've been with them twenty four seven, you're like, Oh, okay, I see the more real version of you yeah. uncovered. Um. So you know, I I never got below the surface with her because you know you have this on screen relationship and you feel there's chemistry or whatever level that is. But then you know only the guy that ends up with her will know yeah. six months later what's the real to motivations and the sure. you know the the, the not so um, you know um, dramatic pretty side of what was going on. Yeah. You know? So anyway, um, so yeah, so that was just it was fun to go through that. It was fun to learn through that, try to be vulnerable and open to the process, open to the relationship and all those things. And I was, and, um, and again, it was just another phase of me learning about myself, learning about more people and then, and just communicating with the world and just being open and vulnerable. And so I love it. I don't regret it at all. As
0: far as that goes Uh,
1: through that process. yeah, I think that, I don't know. There was little things I learned, like seeing myself, on screen, which I had never, you know, I had never had anything but a phone video, you know, uh, taken with friends or something, so you, I had no clue what I looked like or how I, how I was having conversations, you know, or especially a romantic conversation, like in a relationship, or like how, what I look like making out with somebody, I never, (laughs) never like kissed somebody on screen, right? So then that plays back, and you're like, what in the, I'm like, like, wow, I mean, I made out with people in prom, at prom, I made out, like, I've never seen myself do it on screen, like, this is weird, you know? That so, would be very weird. Yeah. yeah. So there's just all these little things that were really <laughs> weird about it. Um, and then you just, you're like, oh, I didn't know I made that face, or I didn't know I said like when I got nervous every every 15 seconds in a conversation, you know, or preface everything I said with like. Um, so you just see all these little intricacies about your you as a communicator that you be some things you're okay with, some things you're like, ah, I need to, whoa, chill on that, just stop that, cut that bad habit out and all these things um, and then you, you also it takes you to another level of being able to perceive a situation quickly a social situation and how to like being around the producers who are controlling the show being around those other those other peers of yours and, and understand and perceive that quickly and, and kind of dissect what's going on around you and then how to um, still stay intact with who you are and not get wrapped up or chase you know go down a rabbit hole or rabbit trail that, that that show or the emotion of that show and the surface level may take you down can you can you maintain your composure and then or do you allow yourself to participate in those emotional conversations and the the hearsay that's happened the drama you know that happens on the show so um yeah that that all that'll help me to do that and it and it helped me to see you know I was having real conversations with uh, uh, her name is Jojo, the girl that was the lead, lead character of the show so I was having real conversations about because people ask me is it real or fake and I always tell them like halfway through the season it becomes real because then you go introduce them to your family, your parents like, and there will be one person that ends up going home with this person and they are together, they're engaged at the end of this whole process in real life, no cameras around. So you as a guy you know with the top three or four guys you start having to have that conversation that transformation and be like wait a minute okay so I'm not just saying cool things and like romantic things anymore for the sake of cameras or whatever like I have to know if this girl will work. Like, will we work for each other? Like, is this relationship going to work when the cameras turn off? And so <laughs> those last couple of weeks, you're like, you're really sweating it. You're trying to like think and, but then you don't have control over how much you can be with them or communicate. And like, that starts getting restricted by the producers of the show. And so that's when you really are like, ah, oh, it takes a lot out of you. It took a lot out of me emotionally. I was like feeling anxiety and stuff. Cause I, I was trying to understand and try to get to know her. But then, They'll, they'll purposely frustrate you and like keep you away from her so you can't have the conversation that you want to have or whatever. And uh, that, that's when it got really interesting. But again, I learned all that about myself. Don't how do, do you that.
0: foster intimacy when there's cameras rolling on you? Like, how do you make your moves? I mean, that's,
1: I mean, that's, that's like what you touched on it earlier is that, you know, what's that show, Naked and Unafraid, or whatever that uh, one yeah. other reality show um. is. I guess, like, once there's the shock factor at the beginning... And then of people being naked or whatever, and then you just start to adjust. To, yeah. It becomes reality. So after those first few days of cameras being around, and the, like the producers will tell you, like these cameras, you have to picture them as just furniture. They're they're not they're not they're not people to be interacted with, although they are. But you don't interact with them. They're just furniture. You just focus on what you're doing in the moment in the relationship. So it's awkward at first, and then over time, over eight weeks, and that's all you have every day. And you just get very comfortable with, hey, like, look, this is between me and you, me and her, me and you. This is not between the cameras. They're just here.
0: It's so. almost like watching um, a Greek play in a way. There's yeah. this mythology to this whole situation yeah. where you have the gods, which are the producers. Right. That exactly. are manipulating oh, what's going on among the mortals. Right. And you have to succumb to whatever crazy yeah. things going on. And uh-huh. they, they even get to decide how you're perceived by the public.
1: Right, absolutely. Which can be
0: completely opposite. Right.
1: They can't take a zero, you know. They can't take on a zero skill and make it a ten and one in one attribute or another of somebody's personality, but they can definitely adjust it three mm-hmm. or four points on a scale of one to ten. You know, which is
0: fascinating. Right, if
1: somebody's kind of like maybe a, a abrasive personality, and maybe like a five or a six, like mm, they're, they're kind of abrasive. They can make them a nine and yeah. make them like a villain and make them like look right. like the worst person in the world. You know what I mean? Just with a hint of abrasiveness.
0: It did. So things like that. Speaks to how easily manipulated we are. Right. As a whole. How which real. I think if you step outside of the culture of reality television and right. look at even politics. And I don't oh, care abso- if you're absolutely. left, right, in the middle, whatever. The, the circus that is politics. Yeah. It, they know how to manipulate we, the people that are in the show. Yeah, you know I mean? I, oh, and, for sure. And I wish people could sort of make that.
1: Hunger Games are not that far away. I know,
0: right? <laughs> and they've really got us all in yeah. a fever pitch of fighting amongst each other and right. and making families even are going having they don't go to Thanksgiving right. anymore because the exactly. politics is so out of control that. Yeah. The infighting is out of control, but what a great way to to be able to manipulate whatever you want outside
1: of that. I mean, back to the original question, that's one of the other things I learned about, um, you know, being on TV, being not just reality TV, but being on the outlet that we call TV. That is such a normal household, just um, fixture for Americans born in the 20th century. And TV is so powerful. I mean, there's 370 million people or whatever in America... And a very high percentage of those people have access to TV. It's a very normal thing to them to see anything that they see on there. They have this, um, you know, high propensity to believe what they see on there and the, the leverage and the power that comes through that. And so they can watch a reality TV show and now millions of people, 8 million, whatever, 10 million people watch that show in particular. Now no, take normal people that are the cast members on that show they watched the show for two months, so you know, 10, 8, 10, 11 episodes of a person being on a TV show. And now they that person has transitioned into a celebrity status person in, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And now airports coast-to-coast, Starbucks coast-to-coast, there's people that now everywhere in, US, in the U.S. will know... And see these normal people before the show now as celebrities, and they're still just the same people that were six months before the show. But they're seen as celebrities; they're seen as they're like, you know, kind of on a pedestal at that point. And so some people people have to deal with. How do you deal with that? Do you take it and run with it, and be, you know, and let it get to your head? Do you do you maintain, you know, your self awareness and stay who you are, and try to stay centered through that. Um, does that bother you? Some people don't like it; they want to be very private with their life, but then they will end up on a TV show like that which is not a great idea if you do want to be private and then try to be private afterwards. And then it's a struggle for them. They've set themselves up for a struggle. So, um, that, that whole just, um, phenomenon itself is just interesting. And to see, you know, a guy like me or whatever small circle I had before and then hit that celebrity kind of status of 10 million people knowing my name or more than that. I mean, 10 million people watch it every week. So I now go coast to coast. I'm like, I'm still just in awe of like, wow, I'm just landed in Phoenix for an hour, and then I went up, ended up in Miami. And then, like, how widespread people all of a sudden know your name? They know your. My parents. We had one episode. My parents and my family were on the show, and now millions of people like know my parents' face and can recognize them. And it's like, so you turn that not just from reality TV, but just the people that are, are t- characters on TV and the politics that come through TV and 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 the power that Hollywood has. Um, You know, and the power that the news outlets, CNN and Fox News, and all those, they battle for. You know, every every week about the you know the conservative versus the liberal sides, and all these all these things are happening. All this outlet that we call TV, and people are just watching it. They're watching it at the airport. They're watching it on their phone. They're watching it at their house. Their kids are watching it. Grandma's watching it. Everybody's watching, watching and trying to just they're just taking this all in, and just processing it, and making opinions about life and about the future of their family, the future the the state of the um, union, the state of the world. They understand it through what they see on a television screen, and so being a part of that helped me understand how powerful that is. It's Mm. super powerful. Yeah,
0: I read an article way back when. Do you know Mark Harmon is the actor on Uh, that show NCIS? Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Mark Harmon years and years ago played Ted Bundy on a TV movie. And I read an article where he was saying that uh, it was really difficult after that movie mm-hmm. came out because the perception... To
1: himself, yeah. Even
0: people who knew him well yeah. had a different... They, yeah. they behaved differently around him because he played that character of Ted Bundy so right. exceptionally well Right. that it, it...
1: They didn't want to trust it, him. Yeah. Yeah,
0: And that, is, that speaks a lot to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. The, the manipulation that's... The capable... Our brains are just like little silly putty things. Oh, you know, absolutely. Whatever they're sticking on, you know, they they absorb. Yeah. So how do you... So here's a guy looking for love in all the wrong places, <laughs> whatever. Looking for love. And then you go yeah. on this show and you think, hey, I'll give it a shot. It's a social experiment. Sure. Which would be, I think, how I would feel about it. It would yeah. be a fascinating experience. Right. And then... You go on and it, do what you will, and you made it to the very end, correct?
1: Uh, no, I, I was the fourth to go out.
0: Fourth to go out? Yeah. Okay, so, um, sorry.
1: But made it to like, the last, yeah, okay. the last two episodes. Okay,
0: so, and then you you come off the show. Yeah. And now you're in the quote-unquote real world, whatever right. that means. Sure. Because you know, it's not that <laughs> real <laughs> anymore, That's right. unfortunately. But, um... How do you and now you're as you said you 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 have a moniker of celebrity now right. add that other hat right right so now how are you supposed to come to a dating situation yeah and weed out those people that aren't yeah. just going oh Luke the celebrity or Luke right, the right. bachelor dude that was on the bachelorette yeah. or you know or whatever it is right it's yeah. a whole it's it's almost like you set yourself up for another disaster oh absolutely
1: way. um yeah that that's still to be determined um, you know, the outcome of that or and the implications of of that whole situation that you just outlined. Um, you know, it's been um a year since I started filming that show.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh it was it started last March. So um it's been since the show ended it was August, so now it's been like eight months since it ended. Uh it's yeah, it's completely interesting. You know, I I've I've seen some repercussions of that uh in in dating, you know, whereas like there was some, there was actually some girl, you know, I don't, I don't know, I'll, I'll address it here for a little bit, it won't be a lot, but um, there was a YouTube video made of of girls that I had dated, two girls I had dated separately, like met each other, and then, like, decided that they didn't like how, whatever, I handled the relationship with them or whatever, they talked about it. They made it, decided to make a YouTube video, because one of them was a video, a YouTube, like, blogger or whatever. So they made a video about, like, um, you know, to I guess warn other women that might be dating me of how, you know, I whatever I did wrong to them and mm-hmm. they didn't want me to do that wrong again, so I was like, okay. Uh one of the girls I, I did I dated for like three months and we had a very mutually respectful relationship. We met families and it was like, you know, a thing we thought there would be a future there and all that. Didn't work out, you know, dating relationships don't always work out. But um so then she decided to go back and, and meet with this other girl and make, and go through this whole process and, so make, wait, she, and make it a public thing.
0: She met with her and t- the other, let's just call I don't, them I don't Jane know, and Joe. Yeah, Jane, I don't know I don't if they met,
1: uh, I think they probably met coincidentally oh, okay. just in, in town or and something. And then they started talking and then they started talking and then they realized they both, you know, had a day to meet at a, at a certain points and, uh, and decided to like make this, this thing. And I was like.
0: Seems like a weird it, way to it spend was very time. It was
1: very derogatory uh, about, you know, and then not negative. I mean, not positive at all. It was negative about, you know, my uh, reputations and things like that. And kind of, you know, throwing me under the bus in a lot of ways. And I was like, wow, these are not, like, I wasn't, there was, there was no divorces here. These are just normal dating relationships. I dated one girl, you know, uh, last summer for like literally like three dates. The other one was like. Uh, three months like I said and then they just made they made it escalated it into the dr- drama of like the whole TV world and knew that all these TV fans that um, you know watch my and watch my my dating status and watched it on TV watched it off screen they knew that that would elevate and be like a viral thing and so um, they decided to make it and what's funny is like the one girl that I did date like she had um, you know she's warning girls about me which I didn't do really do anything except break up with her so if I was nobody, if like there wasn't a celebrity status around my dating status, um, nobody cares about that YouTube video. Like, it's just like another guy that you broke up with. You don't sit down and make a YouTube video about that. You know I mean? It's just like, I think
0: this speaks to her character. More well, more I mean than that, is, and, and that's lack thereof. I mean, that,
1: that's what, that's what it showed. And I was like, wow, that's, that's sad that, you know, they, they, that's their prerogative. They decided to make that a public thing and like choose to kind of go on the offensive and attack like that. And I was like, Wow, like, but don't you wh- feel why? the
0: bottom line has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them wanting to get that celebrity for themselves? I do,
1: but again, from the position of which they brought it, and the angle of which they brought it to the public, then there's this whole all these public yeah. um, viewers then see me. They're like, oh, well, they said it, so it must be true. He right. must really? be he must be a bad guy, and then tabloids get fired up, and sure. there's this whole back and forth of of uh, you know bachelor podcasts and bachelor uh, articles written about this and yada yada yada. And I'm like, like these are just people that were normal relationships. I've been dating people for 10 years or whatever. You, you, sometimes you go three dates. Sometimes you go three months, you break up, you do the best you can, sure. you know, say, say what has to be said. You move on to the next one. Right? And, and, uh, you know, trying to find that person that you should be with forever. And that's what those were. And then they, you know, glorified it and made it into like a whole public YouTube video. Okay. And this whole thing. I was like, wow, that's just disrespectful in a lot of ways. And so that's been one of those repercussions. It's like, I have no control over that. But it happens mm-hmm. because of the bachelor thing that is that that whole side of the world that views me as that guy. They want to know, like, how is he in relationships, you know? And so it's interesting, like, not being an actor on, like, a scripted TV show or, like, a, a pro sports athlete or something like that where, you know, people aren't as concerned. There may be concerned if you get married or have kids or whatever. They'll, like, that's a tabloid-worthy or newsworthy story, quote-unquote. But when you're in the reality dating world then you come back to that and you just want to date and kind of take that back to the private side of life mm-hmm. you can't because the whole world's watching like everybody you take a picture with you might be dating them or if it's another celebrity that you know has that status you might be dating them and so it's it's very um, judgmental about who you're dating and how you are in relationships and all from the outside looking in so that's kind of been a negative that I've felt in the last few months of, about that whole situation so
0: do you anyway. read that stuff? I mean, when you do you get a Google alert that says, hey, well, someone else is talking about you, or do you try to shut that off? Well, office? you know,
1: social media kind of connects all that back mm-hmm. together, so you'll get, like, tagged or whatever on social uh, media, okay. and then your social media starts having these these flare-ups of, of interaction mm-hmm. from the public, and you're like, what is that flare-up about? And that's what, you know, you find mm-hmm. out what triggered it or whatever, or the tabloids start calling your phone and saying, hey, these people are saying this about you. These girls made a YouTube video. We'd like to get your reaction do you, you want to tell the world that you're not, you know, you're not a bad guy and that you're not gonna, like, you know, not ever call these girls again or what, like all these things, it's like, wow, they see the opportunity that all these people that watch that television show that I was on want to know about my dating relationship, so if somebody addresses that publicly, then people will watch it, and mm-hmm. so that's why they chose to do it, it's like, I'm assuming, so, um, anyway, that was that was interesting to go through that, but yeah, yeah. So I you know I i'd pick it, pick up pick it up and take it for what it is and move on and say, "Okay, well, I'll just continue trudging on being authentic and genuine." being the best version of myself that i can be and right you know hope hope the best for them and, and well if it makes you feel better
0: not being on a television show and trying to date in a world that is pretty inauthentic when you're authentic is also, it is also tough so, yeah. yeah so even more so
1: when you <laughs> open yourself up to the whole yeah, world scene, the so.
0: celebrity thing just adds another interesting element to yeah. it for sure absolutely um so let's circle back around to the creative yeah. world um do you have, are you working on a record right now? What are you
1: doing? Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we've released a couple of tracks, uh, from the beginning of this year and, uh, January and then, uh, March. And are then they on iTunes? They're on, they're on iTunes okay. and, and Spotify and all those outlets. And, and then, um, we're, we're working right now, writing and in, 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 the studio to release what we'll call, uh, an EP. So, um, we're looking to hopefully release two EPs this year. Uh, it may just be one, um, as far as the timeline goes, but, um, so this summer we'll be able to release the remaining piece of the EP that we started uh, and that the, that's the two of the first six songs and so um, we're out now so in and then um, oh
0: okay so you've done the two we've done two and, and we'll,
1: we'll do like four more yeah, and then yeah. kind of repackage it and have six total out uh-huh. for the first EP and then that's exciting yeah it is re- that your first record? it is it's it's, it's oh. my first official um, Nashville recorded EP so okay. um, that that's that's exciting it's fun it's just kind of you know, me finally taking you know what we've talked about this whole time of being vulnerable and and and, and leaving that other transitioning from that other life that I had in the military and the corporate world and all those lessons that I learned and I try to bring them back over here and then be vulnerable and let the world see them and the. In the confines of a song, you know, in, in the form of a song. Did and you write so, all the songs? Um, yeah, the two that we released, yeah, I wrote those with a couple of buddies of mine. One, The, the first one was a guy uh, named Michael White. Um, that's a great songwriter. He was an artist in the 90s and a great friend of mine. I uh, wrote that with him. The other one I wrote with uh, um, Jaron Boyer and Brandon Kinney, both great friends of mine, that mm-hmm. right here at Peer Publishing. So, um, yeah, so it's just interesting. I, lo- I love what I do. I love being able to do that, have... have that come to fruition, where you know we can put life experiences in a song and 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 send it out to the world and hopefully it hopefully it you know has a positive impact on somebody and hopefully people can connect with it in in, in one way or another, and it can be something that either brings a smile to their face or you know a, a, a little chuckle or just some type of emotion that it evokes out of other listeners and that 's what I love about that creative process of writing songs and being an artist is that you can. You can produce and create a record and create music that people connect with, mm-hmm. and it's timeless. You know, if, if it's a great song, that song lives on forever, and it changes lives. People, they'll play it at their wedding, they'll play it at a funeral, they'll play it at a birthday party, they'll mm-hmm. play it when they're driving down the road, and it, and it connects and changes and impacts their life in some way. And so that's always the, the constant pursuit of a songwriter and a creator is to have that. And then being an artist, going out on the road, you know, playing shows in all these venues is something that I love to do in this phase of my life now, is that I go, I can go to Birmingham, Alabama, Lexington, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, Indianapolis, and just I can go coast to coast in all these towns now, and people, you know, some people know the music, some people know me from the TV show, and they come there, and they all, you know, connect in that one place. And I'm able to, you know, share that emotion, share that moment with them, have a have a great time and, and then, and go to the next town and meet more people, see another venue, learn something else about the world. And, uh, it's just, it's been great to just be and, and, and and feel all that kind of come full circle for me. And I'm right in the middle of it right now. And, and, and I love, I love every day. I love getting up and I don't, I've worked harder. I work harder right now than I've ever worked in my life. I work 24 seven, but you know, I do what I love and I don't, feel like I ever work a day in my life you know that's the goal right yeah absolutely
0: definitely the goal
1: so that was the main reason to come back to Nashville and and to come back and find this spot that I'm in now is that I didn't want, you know I wanted to find that happy place that I didn't work a day in my life yeah I finally I I feel I know what that feels like now and so it's uh it's good I'm happy
0: do you have five ten year that's like the worst question ever, but you know, yeah. those sort of things. Yeah, five or ten year plan. Yeah, did you? Yeah, no,
1: absolutely. If i I'm, I'm, I'm a big goal guy. You know, I, I learned that from the military. I learned it from you know my dad before that. Just you know, set goals and you know, go chase those goals, um, and find your path to get to them. And sometimes they change over time. And they will because life happens, and yeah. you just continue to you know assess and make new goals and and uh, so yeah, uh, absolutely. Like I, I, I'm, I love Nashville. I want to stay here. I want to keep digging into this. This world of being a creator and being a songwriter and artist that I'm in now, uh, just really get you know sink my teeth into this community and just plant some roots here and um, yeah, I just I love that. So yeah, and also what I'm doing, it's it's a long process to go. It it never really ends. It's you know talk to other artists that you know are 10 years ahead of me or 20 years ahead of me uh, in terms of in terms of time and career progression, and be like you know it's always. There's never like an end state to it it's just like you just you just keep progressing you know and you keep learning growing reaching into new new uh, you know areas of your life new areas of the world and and uh, just keep creating and I, I think that that's one of the reasons I love creating is because it never ends it's mm-hmm. just a lifelong pursuit of mm-hmm. creating and, and impacting the world in whatever way that you know that you can' so yeah. and whatever tools that you've been given to to do that um, you can change the world and leave a legacy. And for one person or for a million people whatever that is you want that to be
0: your your create your words your music you think yeah
1: I think I think you know my music is one place that I can one platform I can leave that legacy and leave uh, a story behind for you know other people to learn from but then also just what I do as an artist going out and playing live shows and meeting people face-to-face and hugging people and shaking hands and building new relationships and friendships um, is also the other way to do that you know those you're making memories with those people and you're um, you know it's just amazing uh, there's people that like they just volunteered to run fan clubs for me that came from mm-hmm. the TV show and uh, there's ones that um, there's a company that I work with called the giving key um, which they'll have they have these keys that are uh, on necklaces that they have a word on them of usually some type of inspiration yeah I'm actually wearing one and so um I gave one away to a lady who she volunteers, you know, she's a, a mother of three, a wife lives in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, she, she volunteers to, um, help with my fan club and help kind of spread the word and what we do, mm-hmm. uh, in the music. And then also she does so many more things than that. She started the veterans charity, which I'm also very passionate about. Um, which she, one? uh, mine, mine's called creative vets that I'm very passionate about. Uh, it's based out of Nashville. Um, hers is to help a vet or something I can't remember exactly the nomenclature for it Um, but her name's uh, Trish and and she also promotes that on on my fan club sites and on my social media but um, yeah she's just a person that just gives back and just loves people and just very salt of the earth And, and so I gave her a believe key and we did it for the company and trying to promote uh, the Giving Keys' purpose and what they do, and it was, she was the perfect person to give it to. We did it at one of my shows and brought her on stage, and so it's just those type of things that I'm like, you know, I wouldn't be afforded the opportunity to do that without having gone through what I went through this last year with the TV show, and without being in music and put it you know, coming back to Nashville and putting myself, uh, you know, in this in this life and in this 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 season of my life, and so I'm doing all that and those kind of moments. I'm like, you know. However I can connect with a woman like her and her family and if I can be an inspiration for her kids. She's got, you know, sons that, you know, she's told me, oh, they look up to you and whatever. And, you know, it's just those type of moments are inspiration for me to keep pushing forward and keep being the best version of myself. And, you know, trying to be a good example for younger generations coming up and trying to impact people's lives however I can and just bring support and bring just positive energy and bring you know just something of worth to other people that's See, why I wake up every day
0: so. that kind of thing is why those things like that YouTube video don't matter yeah because at the end of the day yeah what those what anybody says about you is of no con- and not just you the royal you yeah is of no consequence because right. if you know who you are and your place in the world none of that stuff matters right. and it will eventually fall away and if whom it matters to that's going to be their own journey exactly and it has nothing to do with you really mm-hmm. so i love that that's yeah, awesome that's a good i love thing. that I do. speak about your charity from i didn't know you had a charity uh yeah
1: so I didn't, I didn't start the charity uh i feel like uh you know god brought, brought me to meeting a guy a good friend of mine now his, his name's richard casper uh we actually met before i went on the bachelorette and uh he uh was is a veteran himself former marine um he had some traumatic brain injuries and had, um, some issues, uh, from PTSD and some things to deal with that were, uh, you know, physical issues and, and, and some things and memory loss and some things like that. And so he went through his own, his own journey, figuring out how to deal with that and how to, um, you know, tell his story. And then found, came to a point where he wanted to help other people be able to tell their story and deal with those same, you know, issues he was dealing with. He met a couple of, uh, other people that were the, end up being the co-founders of this organization called Creative Vets. And Creative Vets, um, they, they work in the art space to help veterans um, and give them long-term solutions um, and another outlet to tell their story and deal with, you know, what, whatever happened to them, if it was an injury, if it was PTSD or whatever. Um, they bring them to Nashville, they get them with A-list songwriters, and they help them write a song based off of their experience in the military. Really, whatever is just on their heart that they want to write a song about, they help them and give them the guidelines to help write that song and and give it life. Um, they also have a partnership with the Chicago Art Institute.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and they, wow. and they
1: have this program. It's like a six-week program where they bring veterans in and they can go through this program uh at the art institute to be able to express themselves and tell their story through art Mm -hmm. and uh beautiful so yeah it's just like it's a it's a great organization great people which is the most important part of me is that i I know and have faith in who they are as Mm -hmm. people and that their intentions are great and uh and so anyway so i i i jumped on board and just wanted to make that my primary charity that that I give back to and spend my time promoting because you know being a veteran myself being a songwriter it just worked out perfectly sure makes total
0: sense Luke you're great thank you so much thanks for today it was awesome enjoyed it bye everybody (laughs) thank you oh wait before we yeah before we sign off Luke Powell yes say your full name Luke Powell yes where can people find you Uh,
1: yeah so um my website is simply that my website's lukepell.com and then I'm on social media as well Twitter, Facebook, uh, Just under snap, or? Snapchat, um, there, there's variations of it. You can search Luke Pell on all those platforms. and You're probably uh, pretty easy and, to find at find this point. find me on those platforms, yeah. <laughs> so,
0: all right, thank you so much. for being on this show. I really you, appreciate Susan. it. it all awesome. right. Bye, everybody.